Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's sermon podcast. We trust that this podcast is an encouragement to you. If there's any way that we can pray for you, or if you have any questions about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. So this morning, we are um, beginning a new series entitled Prepare Him Room. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, many people have, um, they need and want God to work in their lives. Uh, there's a situation, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a health problem, maybe it's a, it's a relationship problem in their marriage, maybe it's, it's, it's work difficulties, maybe it's financial struggles, maybe it's personal demons that they're carrying and they, 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 they're, they're at the end of their rope and they're saying, you know what, God, I need you to work. God, I need you to move in my life. But they're just waiting. And they're saying, God, I need you. What do we do when, when, when we want God to work? We need God to, to do, answer this prayer that we've been praying. Bill Lacavera was fishing off the coast of Atlantic City, New Jersey one day when he, um, when he spotted a tied up plastic trash bag floating in the water. Um, he got his fishing net and grabbed it and pulled it in to, to see what it was. And lo and behold, as he opened this bag, he noticed that it was, um, it was a bag full of letters. Not just any letters, but prayer letters, letters asking for prayer uh, sent to a, a pastor, a local pastor um, right in the town right off of where he was, many of which were still unopened. Uh, it was discovered that the pastor had died about two years earlier, and authorities speculated that the letters had been dumped into the garbage and somehow got into the water after his house was cleaned out. The man started going through the prayers, um, figured, listen, these people wanted prayed for, so he better. And so some of the prayers were, were rather frivolous. One man prayed to win the lottery. <laughs> feel like there's probably been a lot of those prayers go up, Right. Um, in fact, the guy prayed to win the lottery twice. He said, God, please let me hit the 50,000 winner and let me get my life fixed a little bit. Then let me hit the million. I don't know why he prayed like that, but most of the prayers and many of the prayers were, were heartbreaking. They came from anguish, anguished spouses, anguished children, widows, all crying out to God. Some praying for relatives who were, who were on drugs or gambling or cheating. Some asking for prayers for health for themselves or for someone else. Some were for financial burdens. Some asking for for God to save a loved one. They were all people who were calling out to God in some way, shape, or form, longing and needing and wanting for God to work some way in their situation. Friends, I feel like many times... We may feel like our hopes and prayers are lost at sea in a bag floating out somewhere. You ever been there? 
You're praying for something, you're asking for something, you need asking, begging God to work for something. Um, Lord, please do something. Lord, please break into this situation. But as far as you can tell, all you hear are crickets, right? Crickets, crickets, crickets. Um, What are we to do in that situation? What are we to do when God seems silent? What are we to do when, when, while we wait? Here's what I believe we need to do, friends. I believe we need to prepare for God to work. I believe we need to prepare for God to work. Now, you may be saying, Pastor, what do you mean by that? What do you mean we prepare for God to work? Well, let me, let's talk about it. Let me share with you um, this morning four ways I believe that we we can prepare for God to work in whatever situation it is that we are desperate for God to work in. Our text today, we are introduced to a couple uh, who find themselves in one of those heartbreaking but all too familiar situations. Um, in some ways, some people would consider them um, desperate um, I just believe they just were wanting for God to answer their prayer and the, the want and, the, and, and maybe the need that they, that they had. Look at verse 5. Let's find out what their situation is. Verse 5, Luke chapter 1, we read this. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, or Zechariah, a um, couple different transliterations of that name you may have. It says, of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. The situation that Zacharias and Elizabeth found themselves in is one that Unfortunately, a lot of people sometimes find themselves in, uh, they were not able to have a child. They were childless. She was barren, as the scripture says, which, as you can imagine, was devastating to them. Uh, The problem was that many viewed barrenness in that day as a judgment from God, if you will, as, as punishment from God for sin. But for them, it was not. In fact, Luke goes to extremes here to tell us that this was not of any result of their sin, but they were losing hope. It says, what does it say there? It says they were both well advanced in years. We don't know how old they were. Uh, were they, was she 40? Was she 50? Was she 60? It says, well, she was past that childbearing age. And they were waiting on God, still praying, asking, God, please give us a kid. What can we learn from Zacharias and Elizabeth? I want to give you four ways we can prepare to wait on God, prepare for God to work. Number one, number one is very simply this. It is to live faithfully for the Lord wherever he has called you. Live faithfully for the Lord wherever he has called you. Look at what Luke, how Luke describes them in verse 6. 
Talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth, he said, and they were both righteous before God. The word righteous, um, some people say, well, you know, that was kind of Old Testament times because Jesus hadn't fully completed everything he was doing and stuff, so that meant different. No, it means that they were trusting in God. They were trusting in him for their salvation. They were trusting in him, as the Old Testament says, as their redeemer. And so they were trusting in him, walking with him. They were in right standing with him. Uh, It says, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. In other words, no accusation could be made against them. Um, They were not being punished for, for some sin. They were blameless before the Lord. Uh, they weren't perfect. None of us are. Amen. But they were living before the Lord, seeking to live for him and walking with him day by day. You know what I find amazing here about Zacharias and Elizabeth? That the scripture describes them this way as righteous and blameless before the Lord, faithful to the Lord, even though they were experiencing um, probably great heartache and, 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 and disappointment. And they were still faithfully serving the Lord. You know what the temptation is when God doesn't answer our prayers? When we're wanting God to work in some situation in our lives and we're seemingly not getting an answer. You know what the temptation is? The temptation is, friends, when we perceive that God has wronged us or slighted us or that he, when he's not blessing us as, he, as we think he should, to, the temptation is to stop living for him. You know what? Uh, I, I'm just going to start living for me. God, you do you and I'll do me. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, friends. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Continue to be that faithful husband, faithful wife God has called you to be. Continue to be a good worker. Continue to be the provider, the nurturer, the sustainer that God has called you to be. Continue to be a loving mother, a loving father, a devoted son or daughter. Continue to be that faithful witness for Christ. Continue to be that faithful Awana worker. Amen? That faithful greeter. Continue to, to, to serve the Lord. Don't abandon your calling just because God has said wait. Or God hasn't given you the answer you want. Or, or, or there's some... It's just silence out there. Don't abandon the Lord. Continue to live faith. Listen, Zacharias and Elizabeth, listen, it wasn't like they were um, waiting for a child just for six months. Laura and I, um, yeah, now we have five kids. We don't always have five kids. Of course. Um, uh, when, when we got married, Laura was ready to have kids the day we got married. Um, and I probably was too. Um, we weren't we weren't that old. We were how old were we? Twenty five and twenty three. Um, she was ready to have kids when we got married. We went straight to seminary and um, and we're in school uh, in seminary for a few years. After she graduated, she was ready. God, I'm ready. Give me a kid. She got pregnant. She was so happy. We were thrilled. And then. 
few months later, she had a miscarriage. Um, yeah, now we have five kids, one in heaven, six. Um, I understand that can be heartbreak. Um, but God is still there. He's still on his throne. And he has not forgotten you. He'd not forgotten Zacharias. He'd not forgotten Elizabeth. Here's what we need to remember. Friends, being blessed by God does not mean a challenge-free life. Being blessed by God does not mean we are exempt from heartache or that all our desires are going to be granted. In fact, for whatever reason, sometimes God's most faithful and devoted servants have experienced some of the most heartache. Friends, but no matter what happens in your life, you can still live faithfully wherever you are. How do we prepare for God to work? Number one is live faithfully right where God has put you. Number two, this is closely tied to number one. I probably could have made just one point out of this, but I wanted to kind of emphasize this. Number two is this. Not only should we live faithfully for the Lord, but need to be active in serving him. We need to be active in serving him. That's the second way, I believe, to prepare for God to work. Um, friends, listen, when disappointment happens, when that prayer seemingly goes unanswered, when we are desperately wanting God to work but seeing nothing, the temptation is not only to not live faithfully, but it's also the temptation is also to stop serving the Lord. We can make all kinds of excuses, can't we? Well, you know what, Pastor? I just don't have time anymore. Well, you know what? I'm just, I'm just not, in a good, I'm not in a good place in my life. Uh, I, I just, or the temptation is to, to sometimes to stop going to church. Or maybe to pull back, from, pull back from church or pull back on serving the Lord or pull back on things a little bit. Listen, if God's not going to give me a little, then I'm not going to give him any. If God's not going to listen to me, why should I listen to him? And all of a sudden, we are struggling to do things that we've done all of our life. Friends, here's the thing I want to tell you to do. When you're struggling, listen, you don't need less of God. You need more of him. And so... You don't need to pull back from those things. Oh, I just didn't feel like going to church this morning. You know when's the absolute most time you need to be in church? It's when you don't feel like it. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's when you need to be here. It's when you don't feel like it. Um, and listen, I'm not judging. Uh, there are things. I let know we live in a day and so forth. Sometimes, you know, and especially in today's world, you get a little bit of sickness and you're not sure what it is and yeah, you need to stay home. And so normally we have the live stream working and that's a great blessing for those things. But the, but the reality is that we need as often as we can to be with God's people. Look at what the scripture says about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Verse 8 says, so it was that while he, I want you to take a pencil, okay? I know, I guess you can do this in some of your Bible apps and stuff. Underline the word while, while. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God, 
in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. So um, what, what is going, oh, here's what I want you to notice, is that what is going to happen to Zacharias happened while, W-H-I-L-E, while he was serving the Lord. Um, this would have been a twice a year thing. Listen, there were a lot of priests in that day. Um, estimated over 20,000 priests in all of Israel and so forth. 20,000 priests, 24 divisions, I believe. So th- the priests would have served twice a year for one week each. And there would have been about 830 of them serving at a time. So Zacharias, it was time for his order, his division to serve one of his weeks. And so he went to Jerusalem and served in the temple. And it says, while he was serving as priest before God in the temple, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Friends, to get chosen to burn incense was a great honor for a priest. Um, It wasn't something that happened often. In fact, um, some priests never got the opportunity to burn incense in the temple. Incense was used uh, to represent the prayers of the people. It was burned um, just outside of the Holy of Holies, as, uh, just on the outside of the, the holy place and the most holy place. It was, it was burned inside. It was kept burning perpetually or continually. And so um, there was a priest d- designated to go in and to keep that burning, and they drew lots. It's kind of how they decided God's will back in that day, literally kind of like drawing straws. And so they drew straws, if you will, and uh, Zacharias was chosen to burn incense in the temple. It was a special honor. Um, it, was, it was lucky for a priest to get to chosen to do this once in their lifetime. So this was not an everyday occurrence. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice that it was while Zacharias was serving as priest before God, that he was chosen. Listen, if he hadn't gone to do his service as, his, as in the priesthood, then he wouldn't have been chosen to burn incense, right? He wouldn't have been where he was, so what's going to happen to him wouldn't have been able to happen. So it was while he was serving the Lord as priest that then he was chosen to burn incense in the temple. And then it was while he was serving the Lord in that way, that something extra special happened. Look at verse 10. It says in verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So in the midst of serving the Lord as a priest, he was chosen to burn, get to burn incense and to keep the incense going uh, before the Lord in the temple. And then in the midst of him doing that, what happens? An angel appears and speaks to him. Here they were. Elizabeth was barren. For years, she couldn't get pregnant. Um, desperate to have a child and when just a few long, long desperation, friends, God had seemingly forgotten them. Zacharias could have gotten mad at God, right? But he didn't. He could have said, you know what? I don't want to go serve the Lord. God has done nothing for me. I'm going to call in sick today. <laughs> I don't know. Could priests call in sick? I, I don't know. 
I would imagine with 830 of them, they probably could have just not shown up and nobody would have known. Um, but, 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 but he didn't make excuses. He went and served his duty. He, he didn't say, I don't feel like it. He kept serving God anyway, friends. And it was in the midst of that, in the midst of him serving, that something great happened. Here's what I want to encourage you. Or, or, or will you continue to serve God faithfully? even in the disappointments that you experience. No child, no husband, no spouse, no, no, uh, no dream job, bad health. God's not answering that prayer that you've been praying and you're needing and wanting. God, hear me, Lord, answer this. Do this, God. Will you keep serving him anyway? Will you keep serving him? Will God mean more to you than any of that? Even, even if you never receive what you're asking for, will you continue to serve the Lord? You see, because the problem is oftentimes we serve God or we do things for God and we expect God to bless us because of it. Listen, I had a, um, one of my preaching professor said, um, he said, I wonder if we, even in the good things that we do, he said, I wonder if any of us ever really do them with a pure motive. Ran across this quote this week, and I think this really nails it before we move on. It's by a guy, I don't know if I'll get his name pronounced right, Tabidi Anyabule, says this. He says, if you serve God for what you can get, then you're actually serving yourself and not God. Let me say that one more time. If you serve God for what you can get, you're actually serving yourself and not God. Friends, when we, when we are disappointed, when we are struggling, when we're, will we live faithfully for the Lord and will we continue to look for ways to faithfully serve him be active in serving him in our lives. Number three, the third way I believe we can prepare for God to work is this, friends. It is to keep praying, keep praying with persistence. You say, but pastor, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for God to work in my, in my grown child's life. I've been praying for, for God to work in this, in, this, in this relationship that I have. I've been praying for God to help me with my relationship with my, my, my sister. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't lose hope. Verse 11 says that while Zacharias was serving in the temple, we just saw this, that an angel appeared to him. Verse 12 says, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. He was, he was afraid. Now, side note, um, some people say, well, you've heard some people give some elaborate testimonies. They're not walking, not really walking with the Lord, but they say, you know, I saw an angel once. You did? Oh yeah. You know, I was, I was driving down the road, whatever, you know, give some story Listen, every time in the Bible somebody is approached by an angel uh, or a, a, an angel of, of some sort, then they fall on their face because of 
And this is not even God. This is just an angel who's reflecting the glory of God, really. Um, we're gonna, we would be in fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. Why did, why did Tim not be afraid? For your prayer is heard. Listen, the angel came to tell Zacharias, listen, Zacharias, listen, your prayer is heard. You've been praying. Friends, even, this is another great thing about Zacharias, even when they didn't get an answer, guess what they did? Kept praying. They kept praying. Even though Elizabeth was beyond childbearing years and it looked like it was now impossible. Well, that ship has sailed. They kept praying. They kept praying. Even though they may have doubted the answer, friends, they kept praying with persistence. I want you to turn with me over uh, a few chapters later in Luke to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, I want us to look at a parable that Jesus tells about this. Uh, a parable that I think we can learn a lot from. Because, you know, I think, I think as, good, as good Baptists, we believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. Amen? We believe that God's in control and that God knows all things. And so I believe that's a great thing. We need to believe that. And because we believe that God knows all things and he's in control of all things, sometimes we struggle with praying. Sometimes we think in the back of our mind, okay, I'll give an obligatory prayer here or there, but why do I need to really, really pray? God already knows what I need anyway. Let's see what Jesus has to say about that. Chapter 18, verse 1, it tells us the point of the parable right up front. Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. There you go. Let's see what he says, the parable, what the parable says. There was, verse 2, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, probably a made-up parable. Jesus here um, is, is setting the characters of the parable. There was a judge. Now, many times in parables or stories, whatever, the judge or that type of figure represents God. And Jesus is going to make a parallel to God, but he wants to make clear here, this judge was not like God at all. It says he did not regard, fear God, nor regard man. In other words, he was a wicked judge. He was what the Bible has called, uh, referenced to as an unjust judge. Verse 3 tells us, now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us any details and so forth. We don't know what happened, why the widow felt wronged. But for whatever happened, she went to the judge and she said, judge, get justice for me. And she asked him to do this for her. Verse 4 tells us, he says, and, and he would not for a while. So this judge wouldn't do what she asked. He wouldn't pronounce in her favor. He wouldn't get justice for her. That didn't stop her. She kept coming to him. Get justice for me. Do this for me. Get justice for me. This person has wronged me. Make it right. Keep doing it. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. You say, Pastor, how do you know that she did that? Look at what it says next. It says, he would not for a while, verse 4, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, in other words, not because I'm a nice guy, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So he's saying, okay, 
I, I will do what she says, not because I'm a nice guy, not because I'm sympathetic to her cause, but simply because she's persistent. In fact, the end of that verse there says, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Uh, very literally there, the, the, the Greek verb means to make black and blue. It's the, 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 the picture is that she's coming and beating him up. She's bugging him to death. How many of you parents have felt that way when your kids come to you? Mommy, can I do this? Mommy, can I do that? Mommy. Okay, confession time. Um, when I was a kid, I knew that if I asked enough and long enough and kept doing it over and over and over that my parents would eventually give in. I knew that. I remember that to the day. I knew it. If I kept bugging them, they would eventually give in. Um, Jesus could use that as an illustration. Um, But that's it. Look at what Jesus says in verse 6. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. So the unjust judge says, listen, uh, uh, this woman comes, has come to me, and she's asking for me to do this for her. I don't care about her. I'm not a good guy. But because just to keep her from pestering me, I'm going to do what she asks. Verse 7, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? In other words, Jesus is making an analogy here, and he's talking, he, basically what he's saying is, if this unjust, if this w- widow pestering this judge can cause him to do, to, to do what she wanted, will not a good God who loves you and cares about you and is merciful not answer your prayers, even though, he says, it may be a time, he will answer. So what's the application for us? Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep on praying. Even when God seems silent. Even when it seems like it's doing no good. Even when the other person is getting more antagonistic. Keep praying. How do we prepare for God to work? We live faithfully where God's put us. We, be, we need to be active in serving the Lord. <laughs> Started to say we be active in serving the Lord. Um, third, keep praying persistently. And number four, believe that God's promises are enough. Believe that God's promises are enough. Friends, we are always asking for more, aren't we? We're always wanting to put the fleece on the ground. In the next few verses here in Luke, back in Luke chapter 1, the angel makes some promises to Zacharias. Once you look at these promises he makes, we're going to look at them real quickly. Six promises. I need a sixth finger on this hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Okay, here we go. Number one. First promise he makes is, is that his prayers were going to be answered, right? We just saw this in verse 13. He says to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. God promises to answer the prayers of his children. It may not always be like we want. It always, may, may not, listen, God may not give you that Ferrari because he knows you're going to drive it too fast and you're going to wreck it. Number two, not only does God 
promised to answer our prayers uh, and, and that he promised Zacharias here. But second, he, he promised that God would be gracious to him. Look at the end of verse 13. He says, your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Okay, how many Johns do we have in here? We have John Myers, John Woody, John uh, Watson. We, uh, I don't know. Middle name John? Any middle names? Okay. What does the name John mean? It means that God is gracious. It means Jehovah is a gracious giver. And so in the name that he was to name his son, the angel was telling him that God is being gracious to him. God is gracious to us. Amen. We need to know that we serve a gracious God. We don't, we don't serve a vindictive God. We don't serve a mean God. Listen, God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants us to turn to him. Uh, judgment comes only after there has been long, plenty of time for us to turn to him. Number three, the third promise that, that he makes here is that Zacharias and others would have joy and gladness. Verse 14 says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Number four, the fourth promise is he makes, he says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Fifth promise, verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And number six, that his child would be the forerunner to the Messiah. Verse 17 says, and he will also go before him, before Christ, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, the angel decreed these promises to Zacharias. Friends, this book is full of promises God has given to us. Amen? From promises like he will never leave us nor forsake us to promises like ask and you shall receive. Now, we have to understand what those mean. Yes, absolutely, friends, but listen, we serve a good and gracious and wonderful God. Zacharias heard these promises from the angel, from an angel standing right there before him, and then he had to decide, am I going to believe what he's saying or not? Look at what he says. Look at, look at how Zacharias responds in verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, Zacharias, here's how you should know that because an angel is standing before you. What more proof do you want? You see, Zacharias here in this moment, I believe was doing what we all kind of do is he had his eyes on his circumstances instead of the Lord. And when we have our eyes on our circumstances, our problems look really big, don't they? The, pro the, the, the problem with us is, or the thing is, our God is bigger. God is bigger than any problem you have, friends. So Zacharias, how shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. Look at how, in other words, Zacharias was basically saying, give me more evidence. Give me a reason to believe and I'll believe when he already had an angel standing there before him. Verse 19, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. I can't help to hear in, in Gabriel's words that 
Zacharias, this is good, glad news that I'm bringing you, and you are in disbelief. You should be celebrating, Zacharias. This is an answer to your prayer. But all you can do is say, how am I going to know this is going to happen? So what happened because of that? Verse 20 says, behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So because, listen, Zacharias got all the others right. This one he didn't get right. He, and he had, a rel- he had a relatively small consequence to pay for it, right? He made him mute for nine months. Look at verse 21. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now, think about this. You know, sometimes uh, the most amazing things are in between the lines of, of Scripture sometimes. Zacharias was mute. He couldn't speak. So he had just found out some great news, but he couldn't go home and tell his wife this great news. Now, we learn a little bit later that he could write, or at least a little bit, even though I imagine most people in that day couldn't, but um, Zacharias could, and I'm sure he, he wrote it out to her or what have you, but it says, now after those days, verse 24, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Elizabeth, probably excited, but scared. Maybe not sure. She wanted to make sure it was real. Make sure, I don't know why she hid for five months. Maybe she was afraid of a miscarriage. Who knows? Um, but their prayer was answered. Friends, why do we often, like Zacharias, ask for something more than God's word. Why can't we just believe God's word? When God tells us something, when we read something in his word that we're supposed to do, why do we say, well, God, I need proof of this. God, I need confirmation. Since when is God's word not enough? We're always asking for more, right? More toppings, more sauce, better discount. How come God's word just can't be enough for us? God's promises to be with us, to deliver us, to to care for us, to answer us. Friends, let's let that be enough. Amen? And just trust him. I want to give you some scriptures. I want to just kind of lay out some scriptures for you. I want to share with you a few scriptures to encourage you this morning uh, in this. I'm going to begin with 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14 says this, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Amen? Luke 11 verse 10 says, for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Micah 7, 7 says this, therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Isaiah 65 says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. 
God, yes, God knows what we need before we even say it, but we need to be in prayer calling out to him. Cast your burden on the Lord, Psalm 55 says, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Romans 8, 28, you know this, right? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And then one of my favorite verses of all, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond and above all that we ask or think. Now let me ask you something. Is God able to do what we ask of him? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. 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 Friends, listen, prepare for God to work. The best way we can do that is simply just trust him. Trust him knowing that he is able to work. Whatever situation you are in, whatever problem you are pouring over, friends, whatever worries are keeping you up at night, whatever thing that it is that you need God to work, maybe it's something personally, maybe it's for a friend, maybe it's for a relative, maybe it's... it's, who knows what, maybe, but just trusting in the Lord, friends, praying, asking, living faithfully, actively serving the Lord, praying persistently, and believing that God's word and his promises are enough. Friends, if you're a child of God, listen, this is a good reason to be a child of God, amen? If you're a child of God, his promises are yours. May 26th, 2013, just, what, eight years ago, 4.30 a.m. in the morning, the Jascon 4, one of three tugboats towing an oil freighter off the coast of Nigeria, started to sink. The tugboat's 29-year-old cook, by the name of Harrison Ojegba Okeni, immediately knew something was wrong. He was down in his quarters below deck. As the vessel descended over 100 feet to the floor of the Atlantic Ocean, end over end, it landed upside down. O'Kenny was tossed to and fro in his small quarters. He groped his way in the now pitch black darkness through the icy waters, finally finding a cabin with a four-foot air bubble air pocket that had formed when the ship turned upside down. He made a makeshift platform and stacked two mattresses together in an attempt to escape the rising water. I guess he was asleep at the time because dressed only in his boxer shorts, O'Kenny sat on top of the mattresses and waited for help. But the thought of being rescued seemed remote. So O'Kenny, a follower of Christ, began to pray. He started to pray the Psalms. Oh God, by your name, save me. Lord, sustain my life. He told reporters that I started calling on the name of God, reminiscing on the verses I had just read before I went to sleep. He said, I read the Bible from Psalm 54 to 92 that my wife had just sent me the verses to read that night when she called me before I went to bed. Two and a half days later, 
O'Kenny was certain that the rest of the 11-man crew had drowned and that he would as well. Can you imagine that? Being trapped underwater in an air pocket inside of a ship for two and a half days? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, and you can, I didn't watch all of it. There's a clip of this online. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he heard the sound of rescuers and started banging on the steel walls of his cabin with anything hard he could find. The Dutch divers who found him couldn't believe their eyes. One of the divers reaches out to grab this hand that he thinks is the hand of a dead man, but the hand grabs his back. How amazing is that? To this day, O'Kenny believes that his rescue after 72 hours underwater was the result of divine deliverance, and I would agree with him absolutely. He told a Nigerian newspaper, the rest of my life is not enough to thank God for this wonder. It is incredible. We Couldn't we say the same thing? The rest of our life is not enough to thank God for saving our soul from hell. Friends, I don't know how you need God to work in your life. I I don't know what kind of answer to prayer that you are looking for. Awesome and mighty God. Amen? We serve a God who is at work. We serve a God who answers prayer. We serve a God who, if if he can keep a man alive down in the hull of a ship and bring rescuers to save him. If God can answer the prayer of Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were well beyond childbearing years, friends, he can work in your life as well. Prepare him room. Amen? Make room in your heart this Christmas season and beyond for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and work like never before. Um, you know how I believe that begins? I believe that begins with us submitting ourselves and surrendering to him. So I'm going to, we're going to pray and we're going to ask, we're just going to surrender ourselves to the Lord. If you've never trusted Christ as your savior, I want to invite you to do that today. Prepare room for him. Open your heart. Let him come in and be the Lord and Savior of your life. You're a sinner. We all are. He died to pay the penalty for your sin. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, you can become a child of his forever. But for each and every one of us, preparing room for the Lord, I believe, is humbling ourselves before him. It is acknowledging that he is God and we are not. Amen? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And um, just, I'm going to pray. It's not going to be a long prayer. If God were to so lead, as a representation of the humbling of your heart to him, I want to invite you, and I know some of you physically not able, and that's okay. But if God would lead you, would you get on your knees and just humble yourself before him? as we go before him and we prepare room for him this Christmas season. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we come before you acknowledging that you are are God and we are not. 
Lord, so many times we get prideful. We, we demand things of you. We don't understand when we don't get the answers that we ask for. When we really just need to come to you and say, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I believe you. I trust in you even when, I trust that you're good even when it seems like you're not. Today, Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. Would you make yourself real to us again, Lord? Would you bring a fresh influx of your spirit in our lives, Lord? All of the mundaneness, all of the fear, all of the hesitation that is going on in our world today, Lord Jesus. Help us to know that our life is fully in your hands, Lord Jesus. It is only through your blood that we are saved, and it's only by your grace that we have the breath of life. We submit ourselves to you today. It's in your precious name we pray. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.